Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Sunday, June 25th. Torah was meant to be lived out in community and in the context of relationships. A very effective way to study the Bible is in a small group doing a midrash or discussion. This helps you to go deeper into the Word as you take time to reflect on it, make connections from one scripture to another, and apply the scriptures to your personal walk. We have added a new feature on the Daily Audio Torah website. If you are involved in a small group Bible study, or would like to start one, we can help you. We have added discussion questions for you to use when your group gathers. We will post discussion questions for every Shabbat reading, and they will be posted on the website a week in advance so you have time to read and prepare ahead of time. We have also posted guidelines for leaders and facilitators to help you grow your small group in a healthy way. Just go to the new pick on the menu, Discussion Questions, and you will find everything you need there to nurture and grow your small group. Have fun learning and growing in God's Word together in your small group. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Brit Hadashah. Today we begin a new Torah portion, Hukat, and it means ordinances. And we are also reading Balak. Numbers 19, 1-22 Hashem spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, This is the ritual law that Hashem has commanded. Instruct Benai Israel to bring you a red cow without blemish, in which there is no defect, and on which no yoke has been laid. You shall give it to Eleazar the Kohen. It shall be taken outside the camp and slaughtered in his presence. Eleazar the Kohen shall take some of its blood with his finger and sprinkle it seven times toward the front of the tent of meeting. The cow shall be burned in his sight. Its hide, flesh, and blood shall be burned, its dung included. And the Kohen shall take cedar wood, hyssop, and crimson stuff and throw them into the fire, consuming the cow. The Kohen shall wash his garments and bathe his body in water. After that, the Kohen may re-enter the camp, but he shall be unclean until evening. He who performed the burning shall also wash his garments in water, bathe his body in water, and be unclean until evening. A man who is clean shall gather up the ashes of the cow 
and deposit them outside the camp in a clean place to be kept for water of lustration for the Israelite community. It is for cleansing. He who gathers up the ashes of the cow shall also wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. This shall be a permanent law for the Israelites and for the strangers who reside among you. He who touches the corpse of any human being shall be unclean for seven days. He shall cleanse himself with it on the third day and on the seventh day, and then be clean. If he fails to cleanse himself on the third and the seventh days, he shall not be clean. Whoever touches a corpse, the body of a person who has died, and does not cleanse himself, defiles Hashem's Mishkan. That person shall be cut off from Israel. Since the water of lustration was not dashed on him, he remains unclean. His uncleanness is still upon him. This is the ritual. When a person dies in a tent, whoever enters the tent and whoever is in the tent shall be unclean seven days. And every open vessel with no lid fastened down shall be unclean. And in the open, anyone who touches a person who was killed or who died naturally or human bone or a grave shall be unclean seven days. Some of the ashes from the fire of cleansing shall be taken for the unclean person and fresh water shall be added to them in a vessel. A person who is clean shall take hyssop, dip it in the water, and sprinkle on the tent and on all the vessels and people who were there, or on him who touched the bones or the person who was killed or died naturally, or the grave. The clean person shall sprinkle it upon the unclean person on the third day and on the seventh day, thus cleansing him by the seventh day. He shall then wash his clothes and bathe in water, and at nightfall he shall be clean. If anyone who has become unclean fails to cleanse himself, that person shall be cut off from the congregation, for he has defiled Hashem's sanctuary. The water of lustration was not dashed on him. He is unclean. That shall be for them a law for all time. Further, He who sprinkled the water of lustration shall wash his clothes, and whoever touches the water of his lustration shall be unclean until evening. Whatever that unclean person touches shall be unclean, and the person who touches him shall be unclean until evening. First Kings 8, 1-9-13 Elijah had said to the woman whose son he revived, Leave immediately with your family and go sojourn somewhere else, for Hashem has decreed a seven-year famine upon the land, and it has already begun. The woman had done as the man of Hashem had spoken. She left with her family and sojourned in the land of the Philistines for seven years. At the end of the seven years, the woman returned from the land of the Philistines and went to the king to complain about her house and farm. Now the king was talking to Gehazi, the servant of the man of Hashem, and he said, Tell me all the wonderful things that Elisha has done. While he was telling the king how Elisha had revived a dead person, in came the woman whose son he had revived, complaining to the king about her house and farm. 
My lord king, said Gehazi, this is the woman and this is her son, whom Elisha revived. The king questioned the woman, and she told him the story. So the king assigned a eunuch to her and instructed him, Restore all her property and all the revenue from her farm, from the time she left the country until now. Elisha arrived in Damascus at a time when King Ben-Hadad of Aram was ill. The king was told, The man of Hashem is on his way here. And he said to Haziel, Take a gift with you and go meet the man of Hashem, and through him inquire of Hashem, Will I recover from this illness? Hazael went to meet him, taking with him as a gift forty camel loads of all the bounty of Damascus. He came and stood before him and said, Your son, King Ben-Hadad of Aram, has sent me to you to ask, Will I recover from this illness? Elisha said to him, Go and say to him, You will recover. However, Hashem has revealed to me that he will die. The man of Hashem kept his face expressionless for a long time, and then he wept. Why does my Lord weep? asked Hazael. Because I know, he replied, what harm you will do to B'nai Israel. You will set forth their fortresses on fire, put their young men to the sword, dash their little ones in pieces, and rip open their pregnant women. But how, asked Hazael, can your servant, who is a mere dog, perform such a mighty deed? Elisha replied, Hashem has shown me a vision of you as king of Aram. He left Elisha and returned to his master, who asked him, What did Elisha say to you? He replied, He told me that you would recover. The next day, Hazael took a piece of netting, dipped it in water, and spread it over his face. So Ben-Hadad died, and Hazael succeeded him as king. In the fifth year of King Joram, son of Achav of Israel, Jehoshaphat had been king of Judah. Joram, son of King Jehoshaphat of Yehudah, became king. He was thirty-two years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem eight years. He followed the practices of the kings of Israel, whatever the house of Achab did, for he had married a daughter of Achab, and he did what was displeasing to Hashem. However, Hashem refrained from destroying Yehudah for the sake of his servant David in accordance with his promise to maintain a lamp for his descendants for all time. During his reign, The Edomites rebelled against Judah's rule and set up a king of their own. Joram crossed over to Zaire with all his chariots. He arose by night and attacked the Edomites who were surrounding him and the chariot commanders, but his troops fled to their homes. Thus Edom fell away from Judah, as is still the case. Libna likewise fell away at that time. The other events of Joram's reign and all his actions are recorded in the annals of the kings of Judah. Joram slept with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. His son, Echazyahu, succeeded him as king. In the twelfth year of King Joram, son of Achav of Israel, Echazyahu, son of Joram, became king of Judah. Echazyahu was twenty-two years old, when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem one year. His mother's name was Atalia, daughter of King Omri of Israel. He walked in the ways 
of the house of Achav, and did what was displeasing to Hashem, like the house of Achav, for he was related by marriage to the house of Achav. He marched with Joram son of Achab to battle against King Hazael of Aram at Ramoth Gilead, but the Arameans wounded Joram. King Joram retired to Israel to recover from the wounds which the Arameans had inflicted upon him at Ramah when he fought against King Hazael of Aram. And King Achaziahu son of Joram of Judah went down to Israel to visit Joram son of Achab while he was ill. Then the Navi Elisha summoned one of the disciples of the Nevi'im and said to him, Tie up your skirts and take along this flask of oil and go to Ramoth-Gilead. When you arrive there, go and see Jehu, son of Jehoshaphat, son of Nimshi. Get him to leave his comrades and take him into an inner room. Then take the flask of oil and pour some of it on his head and say, Thus said Hashem, I anoint you king over Israel. Then open the door and flee without delay. The young man, the servant of the Navi, went to Ramoth-Gilead. When he arrived, the army commanders were sitting together. He said, Commander, I have a message for you. For which one of us? Jehu asked. He answered, For you, Commander. So Jehu arose and went inside, and the disciple poured the oil on his head and said to him, Thus said Hashem, the God of Israel, I anoint you king over the people of Hashem, over Israel. You shall strike down the house of Ahab, your master. Thus will I avenge on Jezebel the blood of my servants, the Nevi'im, and the blood of the other servants of Hashem. The whole house of Ahab shall perish, and I will cut off every male belonging to Ahab, bond and free in Israel. I will make the house of Ahab like the house of Jeroboam son of Nebat, like the house of Basha son of Achaia. The dog shall devour Jezebel in the field of Israel, with none to bury her. Then he opened the door and fled. Jehu went out to the other officers of his master, and they asked him, Is all well? What did that madman come to you for? He said to them, You know the man and his ranting. You are lying, they said. Tell us the truth. Then he replied, Thus and thus he said, Thus said Hashem, I anoint you king over Israel. Quickly each man took his cloak and placed it under him on the top step. They sounded the shofar and proclaimed, Jehu is king. Acts 16, 16-40 And it came to pass, as we, Paul, and his co-workers went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us, and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show us unto the way of salvation. And this she did many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace to the rulers, and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city. 
and they teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into the prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison, and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword, and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm for we are all here. Then he called for a light, and sprang in, and came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought them out, and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Yeshua HaMashiach, and you shall be saved, and your household. And they spoke to him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized, he and all his, straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. And when it was day, the magistrates sent the servants, sergeants, saying, Let those men go. And the keeper of the prison told this saying to Paul, The magistrates have sent to you, let you go. Now therefore depart, and go in peace. But Paul said to them, They have beaten us openly, uncondemned, being Romans, and have cast us into this prison. And now do they thrust us out privily? Nay, verily, but let them come themselves and fetch us out. And the sergeants told these words to the magistrates, and they feared when they heard that they were Romans. And they came and besought them, and brought them out, and desired them to depart out of the city. And they went out of the prison, and entered into the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them, and departed. Psalm 143, 1-12 Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications in your faithfulness. Answer me, and in your righteousness. And enter not into judgment with your servant. For in your sight shall no man living be justified. For the enemy has persecuted my soul. He has smitten my life down to the ground. He has made me to dwell in darkness, as those that have been long dead. Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is desolate. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works. I muse on the work of your hands. I stretch forth my hands to you. My soul thirsts after you, as a thirsty land. Selah. Hear me speedily, O Yahweh. My spirit fails. Hide not your face from me, lest I be like unto them that go down into the pit. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. Deliver me, O Yahweh, from my enemies. I flee to you to hide me. 
Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. Quicken me, O Lord, for your name's sake. For your righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. And out of your mercy, cut off my enemies and destroy all them that afflict my soul. For I am your servant. Proverbs 17:26. Also to punish the just is not good, nor to strike princes for equity. I'd like to speak to you today from our reading from 2 Kings chapters 8 and 9, and we're going to zoom in on a prophecy that was given to Elijah when he was very depressed and in the wilderness, and then how that prophecy is being fulfilled and is rolling out according to the word of the Lord through his protege, the one he mentored, Elisha. So first let's zoom in on first or second Kings chapter eight. And Elisha arrives in Damascus when Ben-Hadad, the king of Aram, is ill. And so the king tells his servant, Hazael, go to Elisha, take a gift with you, and meet him, and inquire of the Lord, will I recover from this illness? So Hazael went out to meet Elisha and took with him a gift. And Elisha said to him, well, Hazael asks the question, Will King Ben-Hadad of Aram, will he recover from this illness that he has? And Elisha tells him, go and say to him, you will recover. However, Hashem has revealed to me that he will actually die. The man of Hashem kept his face expressionless for a long time, and then he wept. And Hazael asks him, why does my Lord weep? Because I know, says Elisha, what harm you will do to B'nai Israel. You will set their fortresses on fire and put their young men to the sword and dash their little ones in pieces and rip open their pregnant women. So he is getting a glimpse by the Holy Spirit into the future. The Lord has given him a word of knowledge, showing him the evil that this man, Haziel, is going to do. So now I want to go back to the prophecy that Elijah received when he went off into the wilderness and he was so depressed, and and then the, the Lord speaks to him. And so this is from 1 Kings chapter 19. And, you know, first there's an earthquake, and then there's a fire, and then there's a wind. And then there was a, a still small voice and Elijah heard the still small voice and he wrapped his face in his mantle and he stood out in the entrance of the cave and the voice came to him and said, Elijah, what are you doing here? And in first Kings chapter 19, verse 14, he says, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. Verse 15, Then the Lord said to him, Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint Haziel as king over Syria. Verse 16, And you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimri, as king over Israel. 
and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. Verse 17, It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, Jehu will kill, and whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. So we have a three-pronged fork, Hazael, Jehu, and Elisha. And this three-pronged fork, they're going to be used by God to deal with these prophets of Baal. Now let's come back into 2 Kings chapter 8. We have Hazael, who has come to Elisha, who has been anointed as a prophet and has the double portion anointing of Elijah. Elijah has been taken up in the chariots of fire. And so um, he's weeping because he sees all of the damage that Hazael is going to do to the children of Israel. And in verse 13, Hazael says, But how can your servant, who is a mere dog, perform such a mighty deed? Elisha replied, Hashem has shown me a vision of you as king of a ram. So then Hazael leaves Elisha, returns to his master, the king of Aram, who is Ben-Hadad, and he smothers him in cold blood. He takes a piece of netting, dips it in water, and spreads it over his face, murders him in his sleep, and Hazael succeeded him as the king. So the prophecy that was originally given to Elijah has now been fulfilled. One of the prongs of the three-pronged fork is now prepared and poised to do its its job. And then Elisha, that's the second prong of the fork, has also been anointed. Now, finally, we see in the next chapter, Elisha summons one of his disciples and tells him, I need you to go take this flask of oil, go to Ramoth Gilead, and when you arrive there and you see Jehu, the son of Jehoshaphat, Go to him and anoint him as the king over Israel. So that's the last part of the prophecy. First Kings chapter 19, verse 16. You shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. Well, Elijah didn't do it, but now this task has been given to Elisha, and Elisha is delegating it to his disciple. So the disciple arises and he goes. And in verse 6, so Jehu arose and went inside. He's alone now with Jehu. He arrives and the commanders are sitting together. And he says, Commander, I have a message for you. And which one of us, Jehu asked. And he answered, for you, for you, Jehu. So 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 6. So Jehu arose and went inside. And the disciple poured the oil on his head and said to him, Thus says Hashem, the God of Israel, I anoint you king over the people of Hashem over Israel. So that's the third prong. First Kings chapter 19, verse 16. You shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, and you shall anoint as a prophet in your place. And it will be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, Jehu will kill, and whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. So that's the third prong that has been now anointed. And that these three people are going to be dealing with the prophets of Baal. So the prophecy is being fulfilled even after Elijah has already been taken up to heaven in chariots of fire. Elisha is carrying it out. And it's coming to pass under the watch of Elisha. 
So all of this intrigue that we see described here, Haziel, who kills, murders the king of Aram and takes his place and becomes the next king. He killed Ben-Hadad of Aram and he becomes the new king of Aram. We see a lot of the same kind of intrigue and severe extreme corruption uh, out in the United States. So we recently had a big scandal break in the news about how the Biden regime took a $5 million bribe from Ukraine when Biden was the vice president and that they have evidence, a whistleblower from Ukraine stepping up and stepping forward, but actually that they videoed it. They have it on videotape. And so what happened? Well, they had to cover that up somehow. So right when all that news started to break, it was like, don't pay any attention to that here. No, no, no. Go, go pay attention to this other news story about President Trump being arraigned and indicted in court with bogus charges. And all of the news focus became all about what happened to Trump and the arraignment and the bogus charges on Trump so that nobody would pay any attention to the $5 million bribe that the Bidens received, the Biden crime family, the cabal received while he was vice president. And of course, Hunter is deeply in the thick of all of that. And, and suddenly the whistleblower winds up dead. Another dead body in, in the trail of cover-up. But yet it's, it's on tape. They have it on videotape. It's undeniable, incontrovertible evidence. And so all of this intrigue and twisted evil corruption that we see going on in the U.S. government, it kind of sounds like what was going on here and what we just read today with Hazael murdering the king, Ben-Hadad of Aram, so he could succeed him as king. And, you know, the actors on the stage change, but it's a similar plot. We have good against evil, and we have the Lord and, and his, his army and, and people walking in the light, and then those who are evil following what is evil. Now, there's one verse here I want to zoom in on in 2 Kings chapter 8. Let's look at verse 19. However, Hashem refrained from destroying Judah for the sake of his servant David, in accordance with his promise to maintain a lamp for his descendants for all time. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. Hashem is not yet ready to destroy Judah due to the promise that he had made to King David to give him an eternal kingdom. The Hebrew word used for kingdom in this verse is near, N-I-R, which can also mean a light or a lamp from the word ner, N-E-R, which means candle. The kingdom of David is intended to give eternal light to the entire nation of Israel and by extension, the entire world. Even in the absence of a kingdom, the knowledge that Hashem will eventually return the monarchy 
to David through the Mashiach is a source of light and hope to all. And you and I understand that that Mashiach is Yeshua, that he is of the lineage of David, of the line of David, and that when he returns, he will be the king of Israel, he will be the king of the nations, and he will be that light of the world. And he is a light right now, shining in our hearts. And that gives us great hope. So we have a battle raging right now between good and evil. And it's not a time to sit on the fence or to be ambivalent or to be lukewarm or undecided. This is a time to get off the fence and to take your side. Where do you stand? Do you stand with Yeshua? Are you standing in the kingdom of light, in the kingdom of love? And are you pushing back against the darkness? Or are you in Satan's camp with all of the uh, betrayal and corruption and evil and wickedness? Um, There's a tremendous battle, kingdom battle going on. The kingdoms are clashing and everyone must take their side and take their position. It's a tremendous war, a spiritual war, and each of us has a role to play. But we know in the end that God wins. And so we must be persevering and endure and be patient and trust, trust, trust in Yeshua as we walk this out. Have a blessed day and we'll see you tomorrow. Shalom. The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24-26 Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.